welcome to today's episode of Confessions of a Cleaning Business Owner. I'm Louise Traherne and with me is Diane Greenwood. And today we're going to be talking about implementing a quality and training system. And this is one of our most requested bits of knowledge to put into a podcast and webinars within the DCBM, because it is this that is the fundamental part of your business. Whether you succeed or fail will entirely depend on how scalable it is as you grow bigger and your quality system. And this can be quite a challenge to put in a quality system, can't it, but Diane? Definitely. But as you said, it's it stops you being scalable. If you don't have this in place, then, you know, as a solo cleaner, it's great. Our, usually our quality is 100% every single time. But when you start to grow a team, you have to find, and it might not be 100% every time, but you have to find it, you have to create a system that's going to keep on top of it. Because it won't be clients won't cancel because you're too expensive. They won't cancel because of all sorts of reasons, but they'll opt, they will cancel if the service is not up to scratch. A lot of people don't realize why they need a quality system. And it's not just to make sure that people are good at what they do, uh, because you can have a load of brilliant cleaners and actually you're still getting unhappy um, customers. So what a quality system does, and a lot of what your business will do will fall into this. And actually, this can be quite an upsetting podcast by the end of it, because you might look at your whole business and go, oh, no, I might have to start from scratch here. So if you want to scale your business, you need to deliver a standardized product. And when we're small, you can deliver exactly what the customer wants. And one customer, I say, I want you to do all my recycling and take all my bins out. And on this day, I want you to do the windows. <coughs> and on this day, I want you to do that. And you can stay on top of it. And as you get bigger, let's say your normal team that know that house aren't there and you've got to hand over to, to a different team and then you go, I don't even know what's supposed to go on here. There's kind of notes, but actually they've agreed to things along the way. And suddenly you start getting complaints because your second team had no chance of delivering what the big team, the first team did. Well, now you're five teams into it and two years later, there is zero chance of you delivering what you originally agreed to. And I can guarantee the customer is unhappy. Um, customers want consistency. They want you to turn up every time. And as your team grows, the only way you're going to be able to do that is being able to swap teams or individuals in and out. So unfortunately, you do need a system whereby you can cover cleans. Now, this is where the quality and training system comes in, because if you can deliver a consistent clean, that means it shouldn't matter which house you go into or who lives there or what they're doing, you will, in theory, every cleaner will know exactly what to deliver in that house. This sounds like the dream, doesn't it, Diane? It does, absolutely. And, and we put so much of this in place in our business because for us, it was, yeah, it's lovely to be able to customise. It's lovely to be able to put a client's recycling out, but it's not scalable. So it's, you know, you can do custom or you can do systems. Um, and systemizing for me, has been the key to... That, like you said, customers want reliability and consistency. And what you really need from a clean is, first of all, for it to be a really good clean for them to not, but for the client to not know whether it was Jane or Susan or Jemima that went that day, because your system should be in place for all the teams to deliver the same standard clean every time. That's the ideal, definitely ideal scenario. Doesn't always work, which is why you need a quality system as well. But that's definitely how you need to start off. Okay, so 
when we first start businesses, a lot of people agree with this. They have a set checklist. This is what I'm going to deliver in every house. Now, this goes off track really fast because customers all have different expectations and you are going to say yes to some of them. Um, and actually, by the time you've got 20, 50 customers, all with different ones, you're going, well, what was the original checklist? Oh, I have to write a customized checklist for every single house. So now, 200 customers later, you have 200 different checklists. And I don't know if you've worked in the office of a cleaning business, but you probably, by the time you've got 200 different checklists, someone's got to admin these and they'll send an email in to say, I want to change this. So somebody's got to go onto that checklist, change it. Do you want to know the really bad news about checklists? And Diane, you'll be well aware of this, right? So we got rid of checklists some years ago because my cleaners were amazing. They ticked everything on that checklist before they'd started the clean. <laughs> that checklist became the most useless piece of paper that I had ever produced because never was something not ticked. Well, they ticked everything. They didn't even read the checklist. They ticked it. What's the point? So yes, you could go back to them and go, oh, well, you ticked to say you did it and you didn't do it. So let's get them in for disciplinary, but that doesn't really help anyone. So what do you think of checklists, Diane? Yeah, and exactly the same sort of story, really. And the same journey with them was when we first started, yeah, we would print out a checklist for every single client and fill it in and tick off. And as we were going along, and if I was working with a team, it was definitely accurate. But the reality was, yeah, everything got ticked. And actually, we shouldn't necessarily be doing everything on a standard clean anyway. So we were it was almost like we were putting more pressure on by having this checklist that we couldn't possibly have got through the whole checklist anyway. So what was the point of it? Never mind the waste of paper. So, do you know, I went one step further and I'm going to tell you because this sounds like the best idea, at least it did to me. So we got a checklist and we'd write a date against it because some things don't need doing every time. So I'd write a date against when that was done. So I would know that was done three cleans ago. Um, but not everybody, especially as you scale a team up, they wouldn't always do it like that. And they would just tick it or they would just leave it. And no one was ever answerable to whether it happened or not. And so I might do it every three times, but they hadn't done it for seven times. And really, who says it has to be done every three times or four times? It was just if you have time, do it. Yeah, um, we, were, we were the same. We kept quarterly checklists in for quite a long time um, in our client files, which was for things like windows and, and extra things. And again, you were reliant on people filling them in accurately and dating them. Um, yeah, yeah it, were, it was not the best use of our team's time, shall I say. And then you've got, so this will be a familiar one. The customers go, well, if you've got time, just do my windows. Now to do all the windows in the house will take me a good half an hour to an hour, let's say, depending on the house. I don't have a spare half an hour to an hour at the end of a clean. So let's say you've got five or 10 minutes, you might choose to do a couple of windows. Even if you had five or 10 minutes left next week, I've probably done 20 houses since I did that. The chance of me remembering which two windows I did, doing a different two, and then trying to remember that every week for every house over a period, it's just not going to happen, is it? Like, you know, and then to create a checklist to mark off which two windows I did, it just doesn't work. So the answer to this is to have a standardized system. And as part of this standardized system, if you are not putting windows in your standardized system, so they're not being done every clean, they're only part of a deep clean, then you are going to have to say to the customer, I don't clean windows, unless you book in specific time on a deep clean, in which case I will clean your windows. 
So one of the hardest things about creating a standard system is you have to say no, because if it doesn't fall within your standard system, then you can't do it unless you are going to customize it and then you're going to charge loads to customize it. So for example, I have a, a rule that we will not do recycling or take the bins out because I live in quite a, um, a very populated area. So within our area, we have four different councils. Each council has a different color bin and every bin has different things that it will accept or not within the recycling. We tried doing the recycling and we ended up with so many complaints because, and I don't understand this, recycling is really personal to people. If we put the wrong type of plastic in the wrong, well, in the bin that accepted plastic, but it was the wrong type of plastic because actually that was the council one minute drive away that we'd forgotten which council we happened to be in. And they were like, you did my recycling really wrong. I had to empty out the whole recycling bin. And, um, you know, I can't believe you did that. Like, how stupid are you? And you're like, what? <laughs> what? This is a bit of an extreme reaction. But they'd get really personal. How have you found this? Because you you have a bigger council area, don't you? Yeah. And actually, we've literally had that this week where the team put the recycling in the wrong bin. Um, because in one area, the recycling bin is brown. And one in one area, the recycling bin is green. And yeah, it was, uh, one, it's just a mistake, but equally it's kind of, you know, it's a, it's a human error, but really it's an understandable error. How, how sort of emotive and I'm not gonna say vicious, how bad was the complaint when you actually hear from the person? It's not, oh, you put my recycling in the wrong bin, is it? It's oh no, it was, oh, we had to spend ages fishing it out. Yeah. yeah. It was quite emotional from the client's point of view. From us, it was kind of like, we're really sorry. We didn't know it was a mistake. But yeah, you get to the point where you just go, I'm not doing it. So, okay, so let's say we get a standard clean, okay? There are some really big benefits to this because once you have a standard clean, which you do and I do, um, to be fair, I have three standard cleans, but most of them are this one particular standard clean. Um, and you've got that. You can then check that you are delivering that standard clean. So tell me about you, Diane. How do you, because this is where the quality check comes in, okay? So let's say a cleaner is supposed to deliver this standard clean. How do you check that they have done it? So we have a list of, of certain items to check in every single room, which let us know whether the standard clean has been delivered. So for instance, a kitchen, check the worktops, are they clean and smooth to the touch of the plug holes, plug holes being cleaned around the taps, is the sink free from stains, et cetera, et cetera. So each room has a set of criteria that we check. Perfect, amazing. We're exactly the same. So we list ours on our website, exactly what we'd expect in each room. Now, this gets really exciting at this point because you now know exactly what needs to be delivered. And now what you've said is I expect it to be wiped around the taps. And you then need to take that step further because this now feeds into your training manual. So do you expect them to wipe around the taps or do you expect them to get a toothbrush out? Absolutely, toothbrush, yeah. Okay, so now we're saying, right, we're going to check that the taps are done properly, but as part of training, you must do it with a toothbrush. And like Diane said, I expect there to be no tea and coffee stains or a clean sink, but you know exactly, are you going to spray and wipe or are you going to get the cream cleaner out? How are you going to clean that sink? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think for us, it, it, we, we did it the other way around. It was the training manual was created first and then the quality check system was created later. But actually it's probably, you know, you need the quality check and then revert back to how you need to amend the training perhaps to make sure that it's happening right. 
I think they go hand in hand. I don't think it matters which you create first, but I think they need to, as one adjusts, the other one has to adjust. And, you know, if you're noticing quality issues, then you need to fix that by going back to the training or you're noting training is not going quite right. Then you've got to reflect it in the quality checks. And I think that's an important point. And we always sort of think of whether it's client feedback or whether it's an issue on the quality check is initially it's always a training issue i.e. we need to go back and do some retraining, we need to tweak how we train, et cetera, et cetera. And it's always that response first. We'll see down the line, it might be an attitude issue, but usually it's a training issue. At least that's how we address it first. Okay, so let's go back to the quality system. So let's now say we can measure it, okay? Because in any system, you need data and you need measurables. So to measure quality, how are we going to give figures or data to a quality check so ours are both quite different so i'm going to ask you yours diane i i don't actually know the answer to this i haven't run through it in advance so how are you going to quantify the quality of a clean that's quite hard isn't it yeah absolutely and and for us it's more a case of okay if there are things that are missed how do we address that with the individual concerned and we are less about actually having a number on that clean than we are about specific things that we need to pick out okay so no i want a number i want a number so we're going to go to us we do it we went to the next level of detail so we do want the specifics i completely agree um but i want a number so for me each room is graded out of five so a zero is they just completely miss the room one there are humongously major misses And the reason I'm grading this out of five and I'm explaining it to you is actually it's really hard because some houses are considerably worse than others and others are perfect and need to be show home. So we went away from sort of all the specific deliverables. So, yes, there are specific deliverables, but actually we qualify, we datafied it. Can you call it datafied? Added data to it based on actually the perception the customer would have. So I'm going to say that's still quite subjective though, isn't it? That score out of Quite five. subjective, yeah. And, and then when we were looking at the data, like you said, you could give a point for everything that was on our list, but actually we wanted to know what the perception of the customer would be of our clean. So five is a perfect clean. Nothing's missed. It's absolutely perfect. Four is a minor miss. We are being fussy. So a minor miss might be um, they've done all the pictures, but actually they missed the corner of one picture and there were 20 picture frames in the room. I'd go, it's kind of minor. Is the customer going to notice? No, they'd have to be checking every picture frame. Minor miss. So number three is a significant miss that the customer might notice. So, for example, you've only done half the headboard. Right. A cost that to me is quite a, a significant miss. Um, you've done half the headboard, you know, where they've done one half and haven't walked around the other side of the double bed. Yeah. Uh, that's three. Four is a definite complaint. So three is a possible complaint. Four is a definite complaint. So I would expect a possible complaint about half a headboard missed. As you can tell, we've got quite high standards. A lot of cleaning companies would go, what? You're being ridiculous. Four is a definite complaint. The whole headboard was missed. And oh, hang on a minute. I thought we were doing a score out of five. Is five the worst score then? Oh, sorry. No, we're down to one. I'm going to do it in the wrong. I've done it in the wrong okay. order. Sorry. That's okay. So one is bad. Okay. So one is a really, really bad. Four is a, sorry, going up the other way. Two is a definite complaint. Okay. So that's going to be, I miss bits on the floor and the headboard. Yeah. Three, one, two, three. Three is a possible complaint. So I yeah. miss half the headboard, but the rest of the room was perfect. 
four, so they've scored four out of five for this room. They've missed a little bit on the corner of a picture and five, it was perfect. Yeah. And so for every room, you'll get a score out of five and it is subjective. So yeah. I suppose because um, we we actually ask our customers for a score out of five. So it's quite interesting that this actually links with that, doesn't it? OK, so this is what we think the customer is going to feed back. You're mm -hmm. almost kind of preempting what the what the customer is going to say. Well, why would I wait for the customer to feed it back to me when actually I should have that data long before the customer's feeding it back to me? So, OK, so then we're going to score every room out of five and then you get an overall average score for the house. So you say there's 10 rooms, you'd get a score out of 50 divided by 10 and you should get an average of over 4.3, 4.5. Um, and, you know, it's rare to get a five. I can find a problem in almost every room. And so they're going to get fours. But um, and then you're going to say that though, because I've often had that conversation with people that are solo cleaners and then take on their first um, team member, and they're just like they're just not as good as me. But actually, four out of five is an eighty percent. That's eighty percent. Is eighty percent okay? Do you know? See, I think this is slightly subjective. So, I found this when I thought right slightly deludedly I was a brilliant cleaner I was really good and then I had this quality check done on me I had it done and I'm going to talk about three times in a row that happened to me on three houses on the same day and I didn't score five out of five I scored various fours and even a couple of threes and I missed a couple of fingerprints on the front you know oven fronts can be a bit shiny I missed it you know where they've gone around the handle I missed it and I was like, oh, my goodness, when it was pointed out to me by the quality checker, I was quite shocked. Um, not shocked because I knew I hadn't done it, but like I was like, oh, God, you know, you've been a bit fussy here. I'd written the quality system. So yeah. I deserve it's your it. fussiness. <laughs> it was my fussiness. Um, but I thought I was a really good cleaner until I'd actually had this quality system. And then I realized exactly and what I'd realized. I'd missed two out of three of the oven fronts even though it was my system and we are not capable of seeing what we don't miss. And it's the same with customers in their own houses. If they do their own houses, they don't mind if they miss a skirting board because they've never noticed it. Whereas we will get into big trouble for missing that skirting board. So it's a lot of it's our perception of ourselves. Yeah. So when your cleaner comes along and you check on all their work and you go, Oh, you've missed a bit. I think it'd be quite interesting if somebody checked on all your work to see whether you had in fact missed a few bits that sound really brutal yeah well no because we're, we're all humans and we even say that to clients a part of our feedback is because we're humans and we might miss something and it's better for us to know about it so that we can try and avoid it happening but the reality is yeah we're not robots we do miss things so then what you've got which is quite interesting at this point so now we've got data so um if you've implemented a quality system you have a quality manager who goes and checks this or it's you that does it you will often find something like you've said, they've missed a bit. So let's talk about plug holes because the plug holes are missed all the time, right? So plug holes. And if I went, Diane, you've missed the plug hole, right? I probably wouldn't say it in that voice, but let's say I did. You'd be like, oh, oh, you're picking on me. Oh, fine, I did do it. And you're like, no, you didn't go back and do it. Um, What kind of perception is it when you get told, what kind of reaction is it when you get told you missed something? Well, I think it's it's the challenge of the industry, isn't it? That you could spend an hour scrubbing somebody's bathroom, but if you miss one thing, it's almost like you feel, and it's it's an emotional thing of if they say the one thing, you're going to go, well, what about all the rest? And I suppose your, your staff are going to feel the same way. I did when it happened to me. Mm. I was like, I did this kitchen perfectly. Did you see it before I started? I don't care about the fingerprints on the front of the oven. You know, we all feel like that. And 
particularly when that feedback happens, it's probably at the end of the clean, you've cleaned for two or three or four hours and somebody goes, you missed a bit. Yeah. Oh, I hate them. Like if you are that person, now you can be the nicest manager in the world, but your job is to do that quality check and you're really nice. And you say, look, my job is to do the quality check. I will find bits you've missed and you still have to feed it back to them. You know, can you blame them for getting defensive? No, not at all, really. And, and we use something, we like to use something called like best and next time. So it sort of softens it a little bit, which is, you know, point out the things that they've done really well. Yeah. Not just the thing that they've missed. Okay. So this can be, they get defensive. It's a little bit confrontational. Now imagine there's a different way. Okay. So I'm going to say there's a different way. Okay. So that's going to be the reaction if you tell someone they missed a bit. Now, our quality manager will probably just fix it. You missed a plug hole, she'll just fix the plug hole. And then the message becomes less powerful because you tell the people at the end of the day, because they've gone on to a different house and you go, oh, you missed a plug hole in that house. And they go, oh, no, I didn't. And you go, oh, okay. Like, and it's just pointless, isn't it? The whole conversation becomes, what are they really learning from this? Now, imagine you keep a track of that that house okay so you're getting the data from every house you're doing consistent quality checks and so at the end of a three-month period you've got at least 10 data of 10 cleans that that person did okay and you can go back to them with that data and you say okay well overall this is what you scored and what i did notice is in three out of the seven houses, you missed the plug hole. And the other thing I need you to work on before our next review session is out of three out of the seven, you missed that. And what I did notice is actually on six out of the seven, you, I don't know, didn't go right to the back of the stairs in the vacuuming. I don't know, right? So we can make up a whole load of things here. But what you've got at that point is really powerful data because telling someone they missed something to either go back and fix it or you missed it, means nothing there's no learning point they just think you're being ridiculous but to have real data that is powerful and you're giving them maybe three to five points to really work on they've got something to improve so next time when i see you in three months time i've got 10 quality checks you missed the plug hole on three out of the seven of them i expect it to be you missed none of them by the next one that's something they can work on yeah absolutely and i think also you doing it that way takes away the 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 personal side of it from a customer point of view, because actually sometimes they can get funny about different customers, can't they? Um, where I don't want to go back to that customer because they've complained I missed the plug hole. <laughs> so, and I know that you're picking it up before it gets to that point, but this can be a really useful thing for that as well, can't it? To just almost generalize it, but be specific at the same time. But the other thing is, and if you've got the luxury of having a quality manager, it's probably you, if we're really honest. Um, it's a two-way thing. So we, yes, we check on the staff, but actually when you check the quality of a clean, I don't know if you've done this, where I've done a quality check and I've gone, this is shocking. Like, this is really bad. And so I've done it where I've gone to the staff and I've gone, why is this so bad? Like, you're really good at this. What is going on? And they'll go, it's not fair, Louise. The house is unreasonable. And you walk in and you think it's not great. And they're like, you should have seen it before yeah. we started. All toys I've just had to pick up and the washing yeah. up that I had to do. Yeah. And, and actually, as a quality manager, that's the point where you should be tracking that. And I would then be doing more quality checks on that house, possibly with a different team and going, you know, this isn't great quality to overall. Now, I understand it's not the team. And at that point, going back to the customer and saying, look, I need to talk to you. We are not capable of delivering what we expect our level of quality to be. You know, I am telling you, we are missing this, this and this. We've done five quality checks and I'm really not happy with it. 
what's your thoughts on it? And they go, oh, I think it's excellent. You know, I'm really happy with the service. And you can feed back and go, this isn't our quality. Now, I expect it to be better, but in order to deliver the standard I expect, we need an extra hour. Do you want us to improve your quality? But you can also come back and it could get even more powerful because you go, okay, I'm not happy. My staff are missing things all over the place. Now, can I be really realistic with you, Mr. Customer? My staff are making choices. They are choosing to miss your plug hole. They are choosing to not do your skirting boards. The reason for this is because of the clutter or whatever you want to call it, condition of the house, they are having to make choices. Now, I don't like it when my staff make choices because they might not be the same as your choices. So can we leave off a couple of rooms so we can meet the standard in the rooms we do do and then your staff's job get easier then they're delivering the standard and then you're not allowing them to drop the standards yeah we're, we're exactly the same we're always we would rather do less rooms than try and do all the rooms and do them all at 70 percent and so we actually agree with every client and you're talking about customize or systemize what we do customize is the rooms that will be cleaned Yes. They're all cleaned in the same way to the same system, but we have a priority list of rooms in order from every client. Now, usually they're, they're pretty much the same priority order, but sometimes they're not. But that means that the team know that this is the room they start in and they work their way down the list, cleaning the rooms in exactly the same standardized way. But it means that if they run out of time, they're missing out the least important rooms on the list. So can we get to the really exciting part about quality systems? Is it exciting? Go on then. It is exciting. And this is you all over, Diane. (laughs) So a lot of people come to us and particularly you because you have franchised your business and people want to franchise. They see this as this is the way to grow my cleaning business. I want multiple, um, I want to be covering multiple cities, multiple towns. I want to franchise. And I know what the answer you're going to give them is, right? You, You might as well give it now. Diane, I want to franchise my business. What do I need to do? Systemize it. Systemize it. (laughs) How important is the quality system? It's that is one of the key systems, to be honest, Um, because actually it's it's about customer satisfaction, but it's also about team satisfaction and it will help with your your management because the way that you're delivering feedback is going to change because of the quality system. So for me, apart from making sure you're on top of the financials, make sure you're actually making money and um, quality is, is probably the next thing. So when we think about putting in a quality system, it's not just so I can check up on the staff. If you want to have a better, easier job for the managers and more consistent, measurable deliverables for the staff and you want to franchise or grow your business, you don't really have a choice about this. You have to have a quality system. So you might not like the ones that we've described today. So you can devise your own or steal it from another industry, do what you like, but there's no getting away from this, is there? No. If you want to scale, it's got to be all about the quality. And if we talk about, so the re- when this comes in, so um, we've talked in previous podcasts about the hardest time for a lot of cleaning business owners is somewhere between, anywhere between eight and 12 staff. It's really hard to grow out of that stage because it's really hard as a manager, you're not there all the time. And actually the people stuck in that rut don't have a quality system. Like they never have a quality system. I'd love it if they did. And one of the fastest ways out of that rut, now you are still going to hit further problems, don't worry. But one of the fastest ways out is actually you have to put in a system, a quality system, so that these things can start being managed because a quality system is almost the fastest way out of that rut. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that we've covered it. And we've not covered much about the actual training side, but actually, because we now know that the quality checking leads into the training, then you can use this quality check system as your base, can't you? Yeah. And if you want to know more, we have done more webinars. You'll find it in the DCBN training library. So if you're already a member, go into that training library. We've gone through this in great detail with slides and examples. Um, so you can put in quality systems, training systems. They're all in there. Um, in fact, like actually, I remember the, the masterclass that you did on this was actually about how to get off the tools, wasn't it? Yeah. And that's that's the secret to getting off the tools is systems quality control. So we have literally, it feels like we've just talked about one little system. This is the biggest secret kept in our industry. And we've just like blown the lid on it. There you go, everyone. Yeah, there you this go, time. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you listen to no other podcast, this is the podcast to listen to. This is how you get off the tours. This is how you grow your business. This is how you franchise. This is, I'm not saying it's the only thing to do all of these, but this is the most important system. And this is the one that's so often overlooked until people get so stuck in a rut, they have nothing left to do other than fix this. How do we feel about our, when we, because we obviously both, when we started our businesses, kind, kind of had the same idea in terms of the checklist. How do you feel about those checklists that you used to leave at clients now? Uh, well, they served a purpose, didn't they? Like, I, I don't hate checklists. Um, the problem is everyone else did. Everyone that had to tick them did. The only people that liked checklists were the customers when they had a complaint about something anyway. So that didn't make the complaint any more or less valid. They're still not happy you did it. But now there's a checklist to compound the fact you lied about it. So <laughs> how about we don't have those checklists? Yeah, so probably checklists can be useful. They can be useful for training, um, yeah. but they're not they're not a quality system. So I use a checklist, we laminate a checklist and in training, I expect them to tick it off. I mean, it's laminated because it never changes um, and tick it off every time. But once they know that checklist, if they don't do something on it, there is either a reason they didn't do it or they forgot or but the checklist wasn't going to help. Yeah. And the other problem I find with checklists, I'm not I feel like I hate checklists. I don't hate checklists. I do like checklists. And um, the problem is if you need to give specific information about a house, and you need them to do two specific things in a room that is different to what they'd normally do, those two things get lost in a checklist of 50 other things. Yeah. So because they're not reading the checklist properly because they know the checklist, they're going to miss those two things because they've got such a big checklist. So get rid of the checklist and just give them those two things. And then they'll yeah. do it. Like our staff are lovely. They're well-trained. They, they're nice. They go out to help people. They don't deliberately miss these things. It's our systems that are failing. Fantastic. Thank, Thank you. you. I have to finish like every podcast. If you liked this and you've got all the way to the end of this one, please hit follow. Um, you really help us grow our podcast um, and we can keep investing, giving you the information you need and come and be part of the community. 